But they called themselves the Robin Hood Group because what they did as the founders of Ethereum, they went in and stole the rest of it. Hey everybody, welcome to the B is for Business podcast. We're back after one week absence. We were all on vacation last week, so that was pretty good. Got to have some relaxing time, a little time away. Um, how was your vacations, guys? It was pretty good. I went skiing at Stowe, so got some nice turns in, uh, some powder in the woods, so I'm I'm a happy camper. The fresh pow? Oh, yeah. Nice. Do you have powder skis or regular skis? Uh, I have both. Both? But I actually did nice. not bring my powder skis. Oh. I underestimated the amount of snow. Yeah, I've never had powder skis, but I feel like they wouldn't help me that much. I don't know. I don't understand how they work. They just, I always look at them and I'm like, why couldn't you just do that with regular skis? Well, I mean, if depends how good of a skier you are. You can't really tell a huge difference, but if you're, you know, you're riding on steep and deep stuff, then you can. Yeah. Because I, they have more of a rocker in the front and it allows you to float a little more. So. Yeah. And is and, it and also wider possible that we just don't get the kind of powder here that those are potentially built for in like utah colorado like you get a lot right. more yeah i mean we, we get powder it's just very rare and it's yeah, gone and it's in two days because we get yeah. a 60 degree day definitely yeah. not like utah yeah tom how about you uh, a little bit of a different vacation you and me went to uh visit our brother on the opposite coast over there in california and wow are those gas prices high <laughs> in yeah. southern california uh I yeah they were when we were there it went from 549 one day to the next day just being 569 where we were yeah which literally 20 percent increase yeah day over cent. day other, other than percent, 20 cent for some expensive gas on our drives though great oh, vacation yeah. nice Same and warm thing. got out of the new england weather for a bit good yeah. time yeah it was good at these gas prices we're gonna have to start storing it in barrels and selling back for a higher price later exactly always sunny style <laughs> yeah yeah great just, business model yeah <laughs> yeah all right, so got a pretty eventful week, uh, I guess last kind of two weeks financially, but we'll just talk about the last week, um, even though we weren't here last week to do an episode. Um, I guess, do you guys want to start with the threat of a recession? Because I'm kind of seeing that everywhere. Yeah, let's, let's maybe uh, mention the inflation data that was released last week. Okay, yeah, because um, that just definitely cause that, that directly kinda, ties in. Yeah, so I know uh, February, the CPI jumped to 7.9% year over year, and the core CPI was 6.4% year over year, which is pretty high. The highest has been, what, 40-something years? So it's got a lot of people you know, concerned, and obviously the next rating in March is no doubt going to be even higher because it's going to include all the you know increase in commodity prices, the increase in gas that we didn't really see until like the last two days of February. Yeah. So the next rating is going to be significant. Yeah, wheat too. Wheat. That's, yeah. that's way off the charts. Yeah, come on, nickel. Nickel shot up too. Just yeah, commodities. That w- that's so Pre- weird to me. Precious metals, gold, wheat, soy, Do corn. Do you guys know what nickel is used for? Yeah. Because I was thinking in, about it. I don't know what it's used for. It's in batteries. A lot of Teslas have oh. a lot of nickel. Yeah. Oh, that makes Elon sense. Musk actually called for the increase of nickel like a while ago. He's like, we need okay. more nickel. Like It helps us with the batteries. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, not great. Technically, I mean... High gas prices, in a way, are good for EV stocks, but at the same time, the rise in commodities like nickel is bad. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's almost a wash. I think I could be wrong. Nickel might be used for things like faucets too in bathrooms. Could, That's could definitely be wrong about that. Nickel is a color, but I don't know if it's actually those things are oh, actually made of nickel. Uh, like when you get something that's chrome, it's not made of chrome. Yeah, it's just chrome color, right. like a faucet. I think. Yeah. I mean, nickels... I could be very, I could be extremely <laughs> wrong about that. Yeah, I, I know nickel's used in a lot of things. I okay, just, the one thing I know, a lot of yeah. things, batteries. So. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's used in like some engines too. 
So do you guys think we're definitely like headed for a recession? Like we are in one already. Like, what are you guys thinking on that? Yeah. I mean, usually for a recession, a lot of the times you don't know you're in one until it's in hindsight. So we could already be in one right now. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I personally myself don't see one. Um, I do think there's a high chance, a very high chance of one in Europe and like definitely in Russia, obviously right now, um, if we're talking like world, pol- uh, world economies, mm-hmm. um, because Europe gets so much stuff from Russia. So especially like their energy source. So I think Europe is, I'd say there's like a 75% chance in Europe, just like throwing a number out there. I think it's very likely, but I think the U S is still a pretty small chance. Um, especially because the job market is still so strong here. And like, obviously like a recession is two consecutive quarters of GDP slowdown, Mm -hmm. but also jobs really factor into that because that GDP slowdown comes from, um, money spending. So if people are still spending money because they still have jobs, then it's less likely that we're going to have a recession. Um, that, that's just my take yeah, on it. Yeah, the so job market's I think, pretty hot right now. I think in like 2022, we may not see one. But as we look out to like 2023, if like these interest rates um, rising and all this inflation, all these factors into some job loss, then that's when I think we yeah. could see a recession. I think low unemployment could be almost like the calm before the storm because it's, it's really hard to sustain a low uh, rate of unemployment. And they usually, unemployment rates, reach their lowest point 12 months before a recession starts. And it's been, right now, I think it's, what, like 3.8%. So it hasn't been this low technically in you know, a couple of years. And yeah, but so, it was low for a long time before that. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it's impossible for them to keep it low for a long time. Right. It's like not, there's but for higher signs when, everywhere. I can't see that changing very quickly. Yeah, I did see that like it's a hot job market in turn terms of not just low unemployment but a lot of jobs available mm-hmm. right um, and wages are like through the roof yeah but they're not keeping up with inflation though yes yeah that's true so it really so yeah happen. it's people think they're getting paid a lot more but they're really just yeah they're not yeah and um, i know so unemployment thing back to that we were actually a lot of uh, people were predicting a recession in 2019 before covid even hit mm. so maybe covid might have delayed the recession we're supposed to get and all this extra money this printed delayed it and maybe yeah. that's that's what's coming i mean who knows maybe we were able to avoid it but maybe it's being delayed yeah i've well, been I thinking that be, for a I while i could be wrong did we not technically have a recession in 2020 so yeah we did and that, that was another thing i was going to touch upon not all recessions are bad like 2008 yeah. okay that was very bad but the one you know during covid it was it was short-lived it wasn't really that bad um in hindsight so yeah and they're also not always bad for markets like the stock market crashed during covid that was obviously a recession happened at the same time the stock market crashed but real estate didn't crash so like some assets will perform differently it's Mm -hmm. different in every one so you might have a recession and have literally nothing bad happen to you financially if you keep your job Yeah. yeah and it is healthy to have times like this with the stock market because it was so hot for two years basically since the start of covid that mm-hmm. like it it was due for a little bit of this kind of pullback where like it doesn't get out of control. Yeah, and recessions like everyone immediately is like, oh, recession's bad, and they are bad at the time. But in the long run, recessions are good. Um, you can't just have markets and like the GDP go up all the time nonstop because it's just not healthy. If that was the case, and like let's take the stock market or the real estate market for example, if those prices only appreciated and never came down 
you would end up with just such a large wealth gap eventually of the people who got in originally because anyone who wants to invest their money can't get in because the prices are too high and they'll just never be able to catch up. So are you talking about what's happening right now? <laughs> that in the real estate market, <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The stock market, no, though. This is like a stock market buying opportunity no, that we haven't had in the last couple of years. So that that was kind of what I was saying a little bit before where like not all assets perform the same. Like if we have a recession, stock market could crash, real estate could go up, real estate could crash, stock market could go up. Um, crypto could go a thousand X. You never know. We haven't yeah. had, we really haven't seen a, a traditional recession where crypto has been around. Right. Um, well, that means 2020 technically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, for some reason, I always call that a non-traditional recession. Right. Yeah. It was, it was um, short lived. Yeah. So, and it it was like directly caused by one thing and we were able to pretty quickly get out of it yeah. compared to a normal recession. Question about crypto or Bitcoin, Ethereum. Do you ever think there'll be a cryptocurrency that will be the uh, world's reserve currency? Like right now it's a US dollar. Do you think that could change and Bitcoin could be the reserve currency? <sighs> I don't know. I So I think we were going to talk about crypto later, but I do... I Like the US just said, they Biden passed the executive order to have the government look into crypto. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some good things for crypto in that. And there's some bad things. So good things I think would be regulations put on crypto gives everyone confidence in that market. A lot of investors that weren't well, confident in crypto no, not, not are more confident. Regulations. A lot, a lot of people hate the regulations. Okay. But a lot but, of people yeah, yeah. are now more okay, confident. Yeah. Like the general public that was not already investing in crypto is now more likely to invest i think yeah fair um so it it kind of like validizes it as a more legitimate asset i feel like for those people yeah um but like that um all that trust i think would allow it to grow but then there's the the other side of it where you like you were saying there's like people who don't want all that regulation um and also one of the things in the executive order was that Biden was going to Biden wanted them to look into having a U.S. coin, like a digital currency that they would replace the U.S. dollar eventually, yeah. which is really bad for Bitcoin and Ethereum and like any other crypto. Because if that got adopted and that's what everyone went to use, obviously Bitcoin and Ethereum wouldn't keep up. Right. So that, I guess that's my take on the whole crypto situation right now. I don't really have much else to add. Um I think we, yeah, let's just get into that. What I would say though about like something like Ethereum and Bitcoin, they're, they're different than the dollar. Like, so Bitcoin would be more like gold with today's dollar and Ethereum is, I mean, I don't really know that much, but it, I would say it's closer to like the internet where like you can do a lot of things with Ethereum. I think what Biden was hoping to create was just literally a digital dollar. Ethereum is that whole blockchain that you can like do things with you know yeah that's true yeah. um and bitcoin is kind of like a store of value whereas you would never just store dollar bills in your attic like you could with gold you know to like retain yeah. value that's true but if we're specifically talking about a coin to use as a currency to replace the dollar then i feel like like bitcoin and ethereum would be behind the u.s digital currency that gets created right J just but especially Sorry, what were oh, you isn't it just how gold uh, was backing the yes, U.S. dollar? Exact, yeah. that's literally exactly yeah. what I was about to say. I yeah. was going to say because the government is now backing this dollar, right? This digital yeah. dollar. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, but I think also like he does want to like do this to get ahead. Like, 
um oh yeah he's like other countries like in terms of getting involved with crypto it's better to be the first one yeah he's one of the early adopters like you have el salvador but other than that i don't know any governments that have made like an extremely big push right no and i like i don't know i was reading a little bit about it he also wants to like make it so that there's less illegal activity like so many people get scammed in the crypto market and stuff when it when the government is involved they can help alleviate that stuff a little bit. Um, but yeah, the tough situation, like Tyler said, is a lot of people who started crypto were like libertarians. I don't know, I'm reading this book called Out of the Ether. It's pretty good. It goes into like the creation of Ethereum and like how that came to be and everything. And like the guy Vitalik Buterin, I don't know. I that that guy's awesome. Name. I, I <laughs> love him. butchers the name. Seems like a really yeah, cool guy. Yeah. He went He's to this young. like libertarian like uh, Sorry. place, like <laughs> campground or something in New Hampshire and was like, got involved with like Bitcoin and stuff like that. And then he just decided like to do Ethereum with the blockchain and everything like that. I have a really cool story from the book. I don't know if I, if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But so <laughs> I don't know stories. if you guys heard about this $55 million heist where someone stole a bunch of it. That was a long time ago, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was I in, I want to say it was like June 17th, 2016 or something. Okay. Um, so it was pretty early on. And what happened was, I like I don't I'm not great with the technical aspects of like Ethereum and other uh, I don't think anyone is but essentially (laughs) so like picture so what the person did was he found this uh, sort of error or like hole in the code where he could exploit it and what he did was he took there's there was like 150 million dollars of funding that the Ethereum creators uh, got together to be able to use to start it up and this person went in and it would be like if you went to an ATM machine and you pulled out a hundred dollars, right? Right. And then take that hundred dollar bill and quickly kick, click cancel. And before the ATM machine processed that you already got the hundred dollars, it thought your transaction was canceled. And then you just do it again wow. and again and again. So he kept pulling out like a specific number of, of money until he got to 55 million. And then he just stopped. That would and take like, forever. he just stopped. He could have kept going. But what happened is it gave the some of the Ethereum creators enough time, and they started what they call now the Robinhood Group, not to be confused with the Robinhood trading platform, but they called themselves the Robinhood Group because what they did as the founders of Ethereum, they went in and stole the rest of it to protect it, which is pretty oh, cool. Yeah. So they stole the rest of it to protect it, and what the other guys stole and what they couldn't steal back that's how Ethereum Classic came to be. They did like a hard fork. And oh, so, yeah, they, yes. And so that's oh. what Ethereum Classic is now. And that's surprisingly had like some success. That didn't just go away like they might have thought. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was a pretty cool story. They literally yeah, had to is, go steal the Ethereum to keep is, it going. So are you, were you saying he actually was using $100 or was that your example? No, no that was, that was just an analogy. example oh, okay. of like how say, he did it. No. It would take forever to no. pull out $55 that was, million. That was just an example, but <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just like explained in simple yeah. terms because it was really confusing. What they, that's uh, really cool. I just knew like said. someone stole a ton of bit, uh, Ethereum right. at yeah. one point and I and never knew that actual story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So sorry, that was a big tangent, but I thought that was <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, we, That's okay. we, we so, kind of ju- jumped the crypto. Joe, what were you gonna say? Yeah. So what? Uh, what did you say? No. So we kind of jumped to crypto as we were talking about the recession. So I don't oh, know if back up to I, that or yeah, I had like one other thing I was gonna mention about the recession. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Yeah, I'll mention it and then we can go back to crypto. Yeah. Uh, because I do want to hear how you guys think it's going. The executive order is gonna impact crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now I gotta, I completely forget what I was going to say. Oh yeah. 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 The, we were talking about how like 2019 was like a quick recession, but then we got all the stimulus money mm-hmm. and then they dropped interest rates to zero. So the government pretty much stopped the recession. Right. And I just keep thinking every time we hit something that's going to cause a recession, I feel like the government's going to step in and stop it from happening. Yeah. I, and it I worries me because we just, if they keep doing this, it's just going to build up and build up and build up until we have something where they can't fix it. And then it's going to be like a depression. Yeah. Like the U.S. economy right now is on life support. It's almost like someone who's really tired. They sit up all night and they just get fed caffeine. And every time they're about to fall asleep, more caffeine, more caffeine, aka money, you know, more caffeine. And yeah. just every time something's going to happen, more caffeine, more money. So I, I don't know. I feel like we just, we really can't do that anymore because rates are at zero. We already printed a ton of money. Like, what are we going to do? We can't lower rates if we hit a recession. Like, we yeah. just have to weather the storm. I mean, one good thing, pretty good recession, inflation will go away. I mean, yeah. Th- yeah, theoretically, that's true. <laughs> unless we go into depression, hyperinflation, but that's a whole different beast. Yeah. yeah. I, I still don't think we're going to see a recession, like, immediately or, like, really soon. I think maybe, like, 2023 or 2024. But, like, I think we'd be okay through 2022. I, the only thing I could see is if the government raises interest rates super fast. Right. And in that case, they just, like, people stop borrowing money, people stop spending money, and then it just starts a spiral. Yeah, I mean, one thing that would get them to raise rates fast if inflation Which is keeps happening. increasing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, go ahead, Tom. So, oh, no, you can finish, and then I got a fact. No, no, you're good. <laughs> well, so I saw this fact. Could be a fact. I don't know. It could be f- fake news that I just saw on the internet. But it was that every time there's a rise in inflation of over 5% since 1940, there's been a recession. Some of them only last, like, two months. Some of them last a year and a half, like in uh, or two and yeah. a half or something. Like two thousand eight was bigger, um, but every time there's been since nineteen forty a rise of over five percent in inflation, it's followed by a recession. Um, yeah, at well, least in the near the term, term after, okay. maybe not I immediately. Gonna, I was gonna say but within like a year or so. I was yeah. gonna say if you don't put a timetable on it, obviously yeah. eventually right. it would be. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> Actually, but, I saw a similar stat. It was every recession has been preceded by a rise in gas prices. But not every rise in gas prices has caused a recession. And, and that's the same thing. The time frame is, you know, within like a year or two. I think it's like six to yeah. 18 months, actually. So it, definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to just, I filled up my tank today and I have a small 2001 Toyota Camry and it was like 60, 60 bucks, yeah. which is like usually like a couple of years ago when I was filling it up, it would be like 30 bucks. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to have to just start storing gas in like my bathtub or something. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Shower in the sink. <laughs> this episode of B is for Business is sponsored by Ty's Coffee. Are you looking for delicious tasting coffee to get you through the morning? Fresh from fair trade farms in South America, Ty's Coffee is 100% USDA certified organic and packaged in compostable and renewable bags with biostone labeling. Go to Ty'sCoffee.com to place an order of sustainable coffee today. That's Ty's Coffee, T-Y-S-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. Ty's Coffee. Great tasting and great for the environment. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the thing good to watch out for that might cause a recession is high inflation if it keeps rising, um, if the yield curve inverts, if crude oil prices keep increasing, and we got to watch out for unemployment. If for some reason we see a tick up, you know, that could be a red flag. So yeah, and that one thing with the crude oil prices that we should definitely mention is, um, like, I don't know if you guys saw, but Biden said like we're not getting any more from Russia. Right. So everyone was like, oh shit, that's going to increase it way more. And it will, but we only get 
right. of our oil from Russia. Right. So, and I think the majority of what we get is from Canada. Yeah. So it it will affect it, but it won't be uh, extreme impact like it would be in Europe. Yeah. To those countries. Yeah, but then again, where is Europe going to get their gas? Not Russia going to get from other places. So they might yeah. impact the supply that we oh, get. Yeah. So that that's why. It's not like one country obviously may supply a lot of oil, but it's definitely a global system. And that's why yeah. people are like, oh, the U.S. is like the only person causing like this. Like, no, it's it's if one country stops getting the oil from somewhere else, gets it somewhere else, then that's going to impact the prices everywhere because, you know, we get oil from different places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely true. And it also would be a lot harder for like it would be a lot harder for the supply for oil to get from Canada to Europe. Because right. we're so close to Canada that that wouldn't interrupt the supply as much for us as I think it would some other countries. Right. And I don't know about you, but I don't think uh, these big oil companies ethical. If they can ship oil across uh, seas to Europe and get a higher price, they probably would rather than giving it to the United States. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, just take the highest paying job. Like, yeah. like I, I know two she- jobs that are going to be equally as hard. Just take <laughs> right. the higher paying one. Shell actually did that. They bought Russia oil, but then they're like, oh, yeah, we're sorry. Like, BP, yeah, we're yeah sorry. BP style. Like, oh, we're sorry, we made a mistake. Like, come on, you knew. Come on, you killed a ton of fish. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not not funny, but not funny. That was a long time the, the, ago. The I think it's episode. been the appropriate amount of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it was because of the South Park episode that yeah. the we're sorry thing. <laughs> um, anything else recession crypto wise you guys want to talk about no i, th- I think we touched on i got some thing. some things about the real estate i was market. gonna say i could talk about like a little crypto not necessarily crypto specific but nfts are pretty involved with the crypto yeah did you guys see they made an nft uh vending machine no i think it's in new york city you just literally go up to the vending machine and and get an nft the same way you would like a coke what or it, some cheetos well you what don't do you get do? a physical like, plug product, in your though. phone no no yeah so i read an article this guy tried it and he goes up, <laughs> got, his, got all of his they information, have, they hacked his wallet. They have two <laughs> options. It's $6.599 for just a color. Like your NFT is a color. It would be like red, 89, whatever. Just like yeah. a color from the color chart. And the other option is a, I forget. I think it was called like a party pigeon. I don't know what that is. Maybe a pigeon with like, like a party hat. Pigeon yeah. loves party. And that was for $420.69. <laughs> and that one... He wasn't going to buy for this article. He was like, I'm just going to write this article, but I'm going to go buy the cheap one. I'm going to get the color one. So he goes, and just like going to use a vending machine, he wants that bag of Cheetos, and it doesn't fall down. <laughs> Wait, It's a piece of paper. NFT it's not- like a piece of paper oh. type thing, or like a card, oh. and that doesn't fall down. And so he has to order a second one to knock that first one down. Second one still Classic. doesn't fall. <laughs> so now he's in for $12, you gotta, and he's got his you color. Just bang your and body all, against all the it machine. is yeah. is it's a QR code you scan, and it brings you to like the website. I think it was like Neon something who runs the vending machine, the platform, and then – once you're in the platform, it makes you create an account, and then you type in the code that's on the card. So it's a whole process just for him to get that like color thing where you could could just buy that online. There's no need that's for the vending dumb. machine. Yeah, I don't understand I why. Thought, <laughs> my immediate thought was, why would you need the vending story. machine? Like, I I don't know. Also, why is there whoever made the vending machine? Why is it such a wide range of six dollars and four hundred dollars? You can't put some medium priced things in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just pieces of paper. You should be able to put a. Bunch. Imagine they know. just had like one crypto punk in there. One yeah. board ape. <laughs> <laughs> One board ape. It's just random. You you just five dollars gets you anything. I I also saw that LimeWire is making a comeback. LimeWire? Yeah. Did you see I, that? I, I did what? See so that. they're not yeah. gonna. 
I don't I think basically before I don't know if they were set up to like basically allow people to illegally download music, but that's basically what people used it for. Yeah. yeah. And now they're gonna switch things up, make a comeback, and become an NFT trading platform. So wow, just thought that them. was interesting to mention. But I feel like yeah, it's we... gonna be hard for them to like pass some of the already existing NFT. Well, not if they bring it's... back the same model where everyone got yeah. music illegally, <laughs> everyone gets NFTs illegally now in Limewire, yeah. right? Why not? All you gotta genius, do genius business. <laughs> you don't have to get them illegally. Just screenshot them. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's all you gotta do. Yeah, I actually own uh, ten ten board apes because yeah. I screenshot them all. Yeah, yeah. 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 nice. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, I do. I know, like, uh, we talk about real estate way real too estate. much, but I have found I saw like several very interesting facts mm-hmm. this week, um, and I also have some takes on the market. So. Everything the last couple of years has been lining up all real estate, right? Right. Like you got uh, everything pushing prices up. Everything from like supply shortages to low rates to high inflation causing more investors to want to get in the market to have their money in a spot where inflation is going to – it's mm-hmm. like real estate is the ultimate hedge against that inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all these things are just pushing prices up. And a lot of people are saying, oh, like um, the real estate is going to crash, all that stuff. Uh, like homes aren't affordable. And then I saw this one chart today um, that said homes are still affordable because buyer income is still greater than what's required by Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, um, which are like the two big government lenders. Yep. So like when you get a conventional mortgage, that's who it goes through. Yep. So my thought is if that's the case and people still can afford these, I feel like that's the biggest stat to look at is that there's like no supply and people can still afford it but is that is it median income or mean income because um, that, that's a big median difference. yeah i mean so yeah median can sway it a little bit yeah because there's um, such a huge wealth gap so that median income like what, what is it for example do you, do you have that number um so it says the median income the median it's the median qualifying income is eighty four thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the median family income is 94,000. So it has like a $10,000 edge. Yeah. I but mean, that is, that is closer than in the past where it was like yeah. a $20,000 edge the year before. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm actually looking at this completely wrong. That, that was actually just the West of the country. Okay. I, that, that was, was the $10,000 because yeah, yeah okay. in different parts, like in different the Midwest, parts have a huge it's like, uh, it. it's double. Yeah. Like the okay. median family income is double the qualifying income still, which wow. is, which is crazy. Yeah. So, like, I've, for the last, like, year been thinking homes, like, really aren't affordable to the average buyer. But then I saw this chart and, like, everywhere in the country, the whole country combined is 60000 for the qualifying income and 88000 for the median family income. So, that's right. still a $28,000 cushion. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, maybe homes where they get listed as are still, you know, feasible. But the fact that they're getting overbid by like 100k in some instances, that's when it's like, okay, well, I could have afforded it at four hundred thousand dollars, but not five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, because it's not always going at listing. Too. Yeah, and yeah. you would so like we're in the the Northeast where there's a thirty thousand dollar difference. Real wow. And that's, I yeah, that's pretty would big. guess that homes on average are going for like thirty thousand dollars or more over asking. Yeah, I mean, I've heard if from I had to guess a, a local agent that. I think she sold, uh, I think it was one home uh, last week for like 75K over asking. And that was around here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> insane. <laughs> 75K over asking. Only 75 like, seems like a steal. Yeah, but the, the house, like home prices are already listed 
Like yeah, they high. already like, listed high. I, I yeah. don't understand. So this. it's already probably like ten or fifteen thousand yeah. dollars over what they would have listed. Right. So it's really the, mark. the real value is a hundred k over technically what it's valued at. But then again, yeah. things are valued at what people are going to pay. So there's really no set price for homes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I got another another stat. I got several stats here um, to Stat debunk guy. all of these people that I feel like are saying that we're going to have a housing crash. The number of offers received over the last five Januarys. I know we're in March now, so we're, this is a little bit delayed. Um, but these stats come out like a month or two later. So in 2018 was 2.1 offers on the average home in January. 2019 was also 2.1. 2020 was 2.3 right at the start. That would have been like just as the pandemic was starting. 2021 was 3.7. That's a huge jump. That's like over one extra offer per house. And then this January was 3.9. So it really shows that it's still hot. Still yeah. very hot. Um, where like the average home, that means the average home is sitting on the market for literally like zero time. Yeah. Like there's n just no supply. No, I, I agree. Actually, I was going to uh, go to a house, an open house. And before I could even go to that, it was already under contract. Really? A lot for, of them are. Yeah. It was on the market for two days. People. It was yeah. insane. Sometimes they just like say no showings until the open house and yeah. people will still just buy it just right. without even looking at it. Yeah. Just assume it's in good shape. Um, just throwing cash at it. Like, yeah, whatever. All cash. Yeah. No inspection. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in addition to these stats, I have one other thing, which is pretty wild, is that mortgage rates, like, were ticking up the last few months. And then because of this conflict in Russia and the Ukraine, they've actually came down the last couple of weeks um, by a pretty significant amount. It's probably just a temporary dip, but it's coming down right and like people are hearing like the news of mortgage rates coming down the last couple of weeks, right as we're hitting spring home buying season coming up. Jeez. And I feel like it's just going to like explode this thing. Yeah. I like, I originally, I think I've said it on past podcasts was thinking like we saw 17 or 18% year over year growth in real estate last year. And I was thinking like, it'll be a little higher than normal five or 6% like supply chains. All this stuff is still impacting it a little bit. And now I'm thinking it's going to be even higher again. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like it's unsustainable. Yeah. It'll yeah. be interesting to see. I mean, but at what point is it cheaper just to buy land and hire someone to build a brand new house from scratch? It's it's just as expensive because of no, the supply chain. Right issues. right now. But what if all of a sudden supply chain, it clears up, materials take a nosedive, and they're wicked cheap because companies have too many. They were trying to get materials on time, and now they have way too many. And they're like, oh, shit, we'll sell everything at 50% off just so we can get out the door. Like yeah. something like that Yeah, could something happen. like that happened. But – then you got to find the land. Like, yeah, land, land, land. They're not making any Mark, more of it. <laughs> Mark Twain said that. <laughs> is that Mark Twain? Yeah. He said, buy in, land. They're not making any more of it. It's tough because, like, in some areas of the country, you definitely can find land yeah. for sale. Nebraska. But, like, around here, I, I couldn't tell you if there's a piece of land. There's definitely not that I know of a piece of land in my town that doesn't already have a house on it. Yeah. There is like, one in Merrimack. I actually sent it to you guys a while is ago. Is it buildable? I believe it's buildable, yeah, but it's it's in a tough location. It's on a hill, and I mean, it, it would be a lot of work. So yeah, which is why it was cheap. Yeah, and you also have to, I guess, if you're buying a personal home, yeah. But if you're thinking about it from an investment standpoint, it's a lot harder to build because of the amount of time it takes to build. Too, you're losing out on like potentially a year right. of income or however long it takes yeah. to build that house, and you're just paying those mortgage payments to the bank on that land you borrowed money on for a yeah. year that can just really kill a deal as an investor mm -hmm. yeah, um, opportunity costs you got to worry about yeah laws yeah exactly too. like so. even if you got like 
if it took you two years, but you bought like a rental house that gave you like a 25% return on investment, like great deal, but it took two years to do it. And you could have done like two smaller ones in the meantime that made you 15% cash on cash return. Like obviously it's way more worth it to get the two. two small ones. That would be a long time to build a house. Homes don't take two years. No, to no, build. no, no. I, yeah, I just meant like in, in general. Oh, okay. Like if it, if something was to take, that was, that was a bad timeline to use. Yeah. I, I just wanted to pick a time and then a half of okay. the time for the example. Fair enough. <laughs> what if you, to speed it up, brought in Ty Pennington and his crew? <laughs> oh my goodness. I haven't heard that name in ages. Yeah. Move that I don't know bus. why I just thought of that. <laughs> I, that would be a quick, efficient way. Probably, probably costly because they got to pay for the bus too. I'm going to start telling that to the contractors that work on our house that always take. Because that is one of the most frustrating things in real estate as an investor yeah. is like you feel like contractors are taking forever and they, they do take a while. But to be fair, like we do a lot of the work on our own homes and they do, it does take forever to do the work. Yeah. Um, and like people just are too optimistic about it. Um, but I'm going to just start saying to them, like Ty Pennington puts together a house in like a week. All you got to do is put the floor down. <laughs> we, we need to have them back. You know what we'll do? Well, instead of open houses, like people go inside, they'll stand outside. There'll be a bus in front of the house and they'll just all offers due before they see the house and in a bucket. And then they go move that bus and the best offer wins it. That's good. That, they that's, should do that. We might be coming to that now. That should know. be the new real Mystery estate auction house. style. Yeah. yeah. No longer happens at the courthouse. Nope. <laughs> right in front of the house, they rent a bus. Yep. Do it that way. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? I mean, I'll have my thoughts because you just yeah, uh, kind of yeah. said. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, for example, rising interest rates are a possibility. You think maybe that'll lower prices, but then you got the housing supply and you think, okay, maybe that won't lower lower prices now. Maybe we're still going up. And then like, I, I don't know. I feel like we're probably in some kind of a middle ground where it doesn't go appreciate as fast as it did previously. I mean, that's not to say it won't because like you said, we're, we've got the spring coming up. But I also think you're going to see a change in potentially the areas where you see. So the last mm. like few years, it's been like Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee. That's where you want to oh, invest yeah. because appreciation so good and you can still cash flow with rents and things like that. But now you might see a change with potentially work from home. We got to see what happens there. Like how many companies get employees to go back to work? Because if not, I have no, no reason to live in the more expensive city. I'm going to move a little outside of the suburbs. Might drive housing prices up in the suburbs a little bit. So you might see a little bit of a, a widening around the big cities, I think, in appreciation. So, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Like, maybe the smaller little, like, satellite cities outside the big one kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. definitely a good point. You got to invest where people are migrating to, not from. Yeah. yeah. And it's – that's one thing that happens in, like, the real estate asset class where you don't get that in, like, stocks or crypto. That's something that, like, in real estate plays a huge role. Yeah. Um, but like, that's something you don't have to think about in some other asset classes. Yeah. You just buy when it's low, right? Buy low, sell high. Or you buy high, sell low and do it the right way. No, Tom, we're, we're not all you at SoFi stock. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ooh, sorry about that. That, that was one of my worst stocks. But in my defense, when I did call that stock out, I don't like picking stocks, but I just did that one. And I said the whole market could just drag all the stocks down, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It was it was so far dragging the rest of the market right, down. Let's so be fine. real. <laughs> yeah, who's who's that guy who sorted? Do you, do you know who that is? No, no. Oh. Huh. Michael Burry. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll watch that other podcast or listen to it and see yeah. who it was. <laughs> uh, what about you, Tyler? Do you think have any takes on the real estate market? You think it's gonna crash? Keep going. I up? I mean, there's like so many variables 
variables at play. So it's not. I don't think it's sustainable, but I think it can be sustained for a long time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Especially right now with uh, the rates potentially going up, a lot of people actually are jumping into real estate. Like, oh, I got to get in before the rates mm. go up, and it's increasing the prices even more. Yeah. But if that sentiment changes right after rates go up the first time and the second time, people are like, okay, I'm in, I'm locked in um, at whatever, 3%. Now they're at 5%. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. So, yeah, yeah that, that, that could change the sentiment pretty fast. Yeah, but someone sitting on the sidelines isn't moving. And if they're not moving, they're not selling their home. I, I, which, I guess my investors. So Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah. Strictly from an investment yeah, standpoint. Yeah, because if there's two investors and they both are like, all right, right now is a great time to buy homes. I'm going to buy a house. But then if they both switch, you know what? I'm actually – I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to go a little heavier in stocks. Like that impacts the market. Obviously, yeah. two doesn't, but on a large scale, it can. Yeah, and like there's definitely like obviously tons of different types of real estate, but we're kind of with all of these stats specifically talking about residential real estate right. and like yeah. things less than four units. Because like if you're talking about a commercial apartment building, obviously that's going to have some very different reactions to some of these stats. Yep, good point. Um, and like overall, I feel like that market is changing extremely rapidly right now. Because like if you own an office building right now, I'd be scared <laughs> with everyone working from home. But if you own an apartment building in a city just outside a large city, like Tom was saying, like you're golden. Yeah. Um, obviously, like everything could change. Um, but that's just kind of what I'm thinking with those types of assets. Yeah. Maybe we can buy a commercial space and start a company where we, we make the employees work and live in the same place. That way we, <laughs> we collect all the rents. <laughs> that's a good idea. Un- unlimited Genius. cash flow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might make sense for people um, who like construct new apartment buildings to start putting more office rooms in houses. Yeah, because sure. like I work in a terrible spot in my house, like literally at the bottom of a stairwell. It's not even a room. <laughs> All right, you're making it sound way worse than it is. <laughs> bottom of a stairwell. It is. It's not it's, bad. You have you have a window. You have natural it's sunlight. Five by five. <laughs> it is. Yeah, really that's small. true. It, it is small. It's five by five at the bottom of stairs. So to the point where my desk is somewhat blocking the door. So you have to squeeze by a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's not great. <laughs> It's not that bad. I mean, I have heat, electricity. I don't really need much else. And the big thing, the, the window. I do have a window. So, that's a huge. window, yeah, right yeah. next to me. But it gets extremely cold when it's like 10 degrees out, sitting right next to the window. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds like an insulation problem right there. Well, yeah, which is <laughs> windows in general. Like, even if you buy super nice windows, like, don't have great insulation yeah. compared to a wall. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's not, not the best setup. But if someone was to build an apartment complex and like one of their rooms offered a nice office space and the other one didn't and was a little more, I'd probably pay for the one that's a little more at this yeah. point. So yeah. I was thinking, so they might not want to like, because you could put an office space in there, but like, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Adver- like, they don't have to use it as an office space. What you could do is, I don't know if all college dorms are like this, but I know ours were, where you have one room on each floor that has like tables in it. Maybe like little dividers, like you can set up your laptop and stuff. That way, like it could be almost like a communal office for everyone who lives on that floor. That way you're not sacrificing like that much extra space in every individual room. You're just sacrificing the space of maybe like one or two apartments on each floor. Yeah, that would be cool. But if you were in a, like a zoom meeting, all the people around you would hear 
yeah. it's really annoying. Like when I'm on a Zoom meeting yeah, with coworkers and like I work, I'm alone in my house when I'm at work. Yeah. So it's not a big deal. But like when they have family members and kids in the background, it's really hard to focus and sometimes even hard to hear them. Yeah, I agree. And what is that value to people living there? Like it, will they pay an extra $20 a month maybe for like what, 100 people on that floor, which is a lot? Or could those spaces just be rented out as bedrooms anyways and they, they yeah. can make the same amount of money? Yeah, true. From an investor's standpoint, it's it wouldn't make sense yeah. to it would make sense to just make an extra room. Right. Yeah. Probably. That, that's guaranteed. Maybe not everyone actually values the office space, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't care about that." I'm that's gonna a good pay. point. I mean, I've yeah. honestly I've never worked from home, so I don't didn't like factor in things like this. Even college, just like does, I don't do that. So yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about today? Wrap it up. Um, no. Yeah, let's wrap it up. All, All right. Thanks for listening to the Beers for Business podcast this week, everyone. Hope you like what you heard. Come back and listen to us next week. Make sure to follow us at Beers for Business on Instagram and Twitter and have a good week investing.